Welcome to the Hindu's Podcasts. Hello everybody and welcome to Pale, the Hindu's weekly podcast. Given the huge health crisis that has hit this country in the form of COVID-19, it is probably appropriate we discuss the issue of health care for all as a fundamental right. This country has never spent more than 2% of its GDP on health care. Health care facilities across the country straddle several levels of efficiency and sufficiency. Uh, the services are at best patchy. While states such as Kerala and Tamil Nadu fare better, the impact of a virulent COVID-19 has shaken even the states that traditionally have done well. The time perhaps has come to discuss this key issue of health care for all as a fundamental right. Today, we have with us Dr. Abhay Shukla, National Convener of the Jan Swastya Abhiyan, um, or the People's Health Movement, and Senior Program Coordinator of SATI. We also have with us Professor T. Sundaraman, former Executive Director, National Health Systems Resource Centre. Thank you for kindly agreeing to be on our show. Dr. Abhay, if we can start with you. The first question, the yeah. COVID-19 epidemic has been unprecedented in its impact on society. This is globally, not just India. While we can argue, as it has been done, that no country in the world can actually be fully prepared to handle an emergency, do you think it is time to push the agenda of healthcare as a fundamental right for all citizens in the country? Now, given the situation and given what we've undergone, is there even a question whether the state should be responsible for the healthcare of all its citizens? Okay, yeah. Thanks for this question. Um, I would say that one of the most positive impacts of this otherwise very damaging epidemic has been that it has opened the eyes of people to the importance of universal and robust public health services and the need for you know everybody to be covered by uh, you know quality health care or the need for health services to be accessible to everyone. And this epidemic, because it has been concentrated in large cities like Mumbai, Delhi, Jaipur, Indore, Hyderabad, etc. Uh, and it has also affected or it is threatening the middle class. That is why it has become a more high priority kind of issue. It's a public health issue. COVID-19 is a public health issue, which is not just out there in some remote rural or tribal area, but in fact, it is very much, uh, you know, um, affecting and threatening um, the middle class and people living in urban areas. So just for a sense of perspective, in April itself, in this country, around 34,000 people have died of TB. And so far, only around 1,700 people have died of COVID. So the number of deaths from TB in the last one month has been 20 times higher than the deaths from COVID. But nobody talks about TB normally <laughs> at any point of time. Everybody is talking about COVID. The reason is that the COVID epidemic affects urban areas, affects the middle class. And uh, it has become, for these reasons, a political priority. 
because in any country what is called public opinion is actually usually middle class opinion and now finally after a long time due to the covid 19 epidemic public health services and access to healthcare are become being given attention by uh, the middle class and by people across the spectrum so this is a ripe time to uh, actually take forward the agenda of right to healthcare and um, because the right to healthcare if it is to be real it always has to be universal it is never sectional you cannot have right to healthcare only for a small section of the pop population and you know then you have schemes for the poor and schemes for the poor remain poor schemes on the other hand right to healthcare because uh, everybody is involved and everybody is affected therefore there is voice of the middle class there is voice of other various sections of the population which ensure that it actually gets implemented you know in some effective way and therefore right to healthcare <coughs> uh, is very much uh, now it can come on the agenda and i think we all need to push for that thank you doctor uh, dr professor sundaraman would you like to yeah so in some sense that is the notion of a right as different from a commodity that is can be purchased on the market where you allow markets to make the decision in classical economic terms this is a public good it's an, a good with also a very high degree of externality so perhaps you can get away politically by not providing healthcare for a lot of our population or if you provide them theorize that it is enough to provide them a minimalist healthcare and so that the rest is left to the markets but here you actually have paid a huge price for it everybody the poor has paid the most it's not as if they paid less but even the rich are threatened because at some point there is a huge amount of the cost of this is this whole pandemic your total lack of preparedness for it and that it can strike everybody and it doesn't affect only health it affects all sectors of the economy i wrote this in a major article in the economic and political weekly when 2016 budget was done that you know this sort of restriction of it is going to affect not only health but everybody not only the health of the poor but the health of all people so in some sense there are many things that cannot be purchased that have to be you have to ensure that people have a minimum level of quality of health the idea was if we give immunization and some antenatal care that's enough but that's not so here we need very good disease surveillance we need an integrated primary care system that can deliver at the field we need advanced tertiary care with uh, we need tertiary care with the most sophisticated of ventilators even within ventilators what we need is a more sophisticated type of ventilation and we need surge capacity we meaning we need an excess redundant capacity that can be taken care of that will take care of the surge that happens so the countries that have done best whether it is south korea or iceland or whether it is uh, uh, sweden or this have actually had all these new zealand have had these things in place and in india kerala has been the nearest to it so these are critical and unless they are enjoyed by all nobody not even the richest is safe that's i think the point that we make we always knew healthcare was a right of the poor but what we are saying is that in your ivory castles you are not safe if you haven't provided health care for all that's what the pandemic's lesson is 
Thank you so much, Doctor. Uh, I think both of you have made the point that the time is ripe indeed to bring up this uh, issue all over again. Um, one thing we've noticed during the pandemic is that there has been a great deal of imagination in dispensing health care and sort of stretching the limits to fit as many people as possible. More people than ever have ever been served before. So does this give you some sort of a hope that India can deliver quality health care if it puts its resources and mind to it? And what is the range you might anticipate would be sufficient as a, you know, as a percentage of the GDP, perhaps? Dr. Shukla? Hello. Yeah. yeah, yes. So um, if we see that the situation today across the country is that despite the fact that public health services have been historically understaffed, under-resourced and not having sufficient number of, uh, you know, um, doctors and other resources, still they have really stretched themselves to meet this challenge of the COVID-19 epidemic. And I would say uh, reasonably creditably. And um, in states like Kerala, of course, public health services have done a remarkable job of containing the spread of the epidemic, especially through their primary health care uh, activities. So what we are seeing now is that until now in the public imagination, at least the middle class imagination, the model of healthcare has been large private hospitals. And generally public health services, especially primary health care has been kind of invisible and mostly neglected. But now we are seeing in the COVID-19 epidemic, a completely different kind of situation is coming forth. And the public imagination is also be beginning to change, I think. The real heroines, and there are more heroines than heroes, <laughs> are the frontline public health workers, the nurses, the ashas, the ANMs, and of course, various other uh, you know, frontline healthcare workers in the public health system. They have emerged as the heroes and the heroines in this situation. <clears throat> so this is leading to, or it can lead to a change in people's perception and um, also it can lead to a um, you know rejuvenation of public health services because political will flows from the public and if the public takes a greater interest uh, then obviously governments also have to respond so there we see that today vacant posts are now being filled in many states or at least there's a declaration that these will be filled and um, so if governments which have started giving a high priority to public health services during the epidemic if they continue this trend, even after the epidemic has died down, um, then there's no reason why we cannot, you know, achieve um, access to quality healthcare for everyone in the coming five to ten years in in most states across the country. And um, as per some calculations, around three to four percent of the GDP for uh, public healthcare uh, would be, uh, uh, you know, and publicly organized healthcare would be a good starting point. Uh, for putting in place at least a basic uh, kind of a UHC system which can support the right to healthcare. Thank you so much. Professor Sundaraman? So, I think the pandemic is still in India in an early stage and it will play out. And as it plays out, I would uh, perhaps the message that you are saying that an unprecedented health effort will make a case for it. But I'm also concerned that our country, look at the way we've done economic crisis. In the West, for example, 
those lockdown means a huge burden on the state because you have a complete uh, social security commitments to make unemployment benefits to give but over here lockdown doesn't have the same meaning the biggest but there is quite a lot of relief done but on the other hand much of the burden is shifted to the poor similarly in healthcare there are states whose main approach has been to repurpose existing hospitals providing comprehensive tertiary secondary health care for covid-19 and the patients that are therefore uh, uh, pushed out because of this have to either seek care in an unaffordable uncaring or not uh, in the private sector and i don't think we our democracy has yet reached that stage of maturity or robustness where we are able to say that no you need to build new hospitals you need to create extra beds you just can't use the public system as residual care so that only that which the private sector will not provide you will provide so in wuhan a 4000 bed or something like that 1000 bed hospital was built spain built hospitals uk built new bed spaces i have yet to hear that this commitment is being uh, changed to uh, actually building of and expanding health infrastructure in ahari maybe we will get there but in india we need to be much more articulate about human rights and the fundamental issue or else this burden will get uh, unfairly pushed on to healthcare this 15000 crores for health sector that was sanctioned along with the first lockdown is a welcome step my only point is that much amount was needed in the routine annual budget of this year and the past four years if we were to be anywhere near a situation for the pandemic you need much more but i quite understand once the pandemic is upon you you can't even spend that much money in a hurry because you have to have more workforce employed they are not going to come contractually for 3 months at a time when they are the most likely to die you need to have a regular workforce well trained employed and those sort of long term commitments in terms of human resources and infrastructure as different from an immediate crisis management i get to see and i have to see this in the uh, states before i am a bit more uh, uh, optimistic about the situation and i am worried and worried as september approaches as july approaches as the peaks whether i should slowly spreads into the hinterland this is the way the spanish flu started it started as an all bombay problem from the ships it was in bombay for a long time but then slowly it spread through the country and then you had all places affected on that but that is still we will need to see but i hope that at some point the government does get into strengthening the public services because the private hospitals are not even offering care many of them are preferring to stay shut till that worst of the pandemic is over as it's not going to be over anytime soon right so uh, between the two of you you've sort of laid out a path um, for the future for the government to take in terms of uh, providing healthcare access and quality healthcare for all uh, as a as a rider perhaps i could um, ask you because both of you seem to have experience with drafting um, universal healthcare policies the uh, professor sundaraman i believe you worked on the draft proposal for the government itself 
and uh, Dr. Abhay Shukla, you've done some work on this in Maharashtra. Can I ask no, both of you? Even in the national level, he was at, from the outside right. and I was from the inside trying to shape right. it. Right. So let's have a sense of what one needs, what constitutes a universal healthcare policy. Um, Professor Sundaraman, maybe you'll go first and then he'll have Dr. Shipla. So I think there are three big issues that in our last effort held us back. And I think we need to have a closure on all these three issues before we can actually move. On the first, I think it's an easy one that the right to health and the right to health care are different things. The right to health care is uh, enforceable in a certain way and the right to health in by very many departments. Both needs to be worked on, but in this context, the right to health care is something that should be done immediately, perhaps even yesterday. In doing so, there are one fundamental issue. Healthcare is a state subject. Should we make it for the purpose of getting into this? Should we make it a central subject? Because then the central money will flow. But even the response to this pandemic shows that actually that doesn't work well. Many of these decisions states have to take, they need high degrees of cooperation. So whereas the center and the states must have an agreement on the funding, a lot of it will need to remain a state subject. In which case, what you need is an umbrella law that mandates that the state makes a law. At some point, can't and need not get into the implementation or the enforcement or the nature of law and its mechanisms, institutional mechanisms at the state level. But definitely, one of the problems is an inherently constitutional problem that it should not lead to over centralization in a current ethos which is very much loves to over centralize everything. The whole national disaster management is itself as far as over centralization and overreach on that. If they decide every containment center across the country, there's going to have deep problems with that. And the third issue is, of course, the more very fundamental one. You have to put your money where your mouth is. You have to actually get the resources that are required for it. And that requires a transfer of resources, which is a pro-poor transfer of resources. Without calling it populist, without uh, shaming it as saying you're giving subsidies, you have to recognize that if you do not as a method of health equity, invest more on the health care of the poor, you are going to pay a price for it. You meaning the middle class, the upper class, the ruling privileged persons will pay a price for it. So therefore, at some point that you cannot see this as a market mechanism, you must see this as a huge and one of the best, most effective ways of transfer of resources in a pro-equity direction. These three uh, conditions are sort of mandatory to actually have a right to health and right to health and healthcare in place, which is far overdue. We are committed under the international covenant, under the Universal Declaration on Human Rights, and we aspire to be a great power. If we don't provide this basis of uh, social security, we deserve to be ranked along with the least empowered countries in the world. Dr. Shukla, by Shukla? Yeah. Um, 
so uh, about the issue of universal health care a system for universal health care which is a complement to the right to health care kind of uh, scenario uh, it's a very large topic so i don't think we have time to go into all the aspects of that <clears throat> but i just briefly like to share that uh, a group uh, of public health experts and uh, health activists in maharashtra called maharashtra universal health care group uh, has over the last 3 years developed a framework a proposed framework for usc in maharashtra which could be achieved in the next 5 years and in a very realistic kind of scenario uh, so this is not a pipe dream it is something which is uh, uh, possible provided that there is political will for it um and in this kind but to develop this kind of a system um there are a few constraints which we need to overcome so right now we have a fragmented health system so we have one health system for the poor another for the middle class and another for the rich and the super rich and as we know that in the public hospital it's mostly the poor and lower middle class who go there and whereas the upper middle class and the rich primarily go to private and corporate hospitals and it's a kind of a fractured system which is very inefficient and often ineffective because the private healthcare sector it doesn't function according to health needs of people it functions according to profit uh, maximization and therefore you know there are huge market failures so what we need to do is to move from this fractured system towards a single healthcare system for everyone that is uhc now in that context when 70% of care is given by the private sector let us see how the covid epidemic has you know changed um, uh, can change our way of looking at this whole thing but it's interesting that in this entire epidemic you know these certain super specialists of corporate hospitals used to appear on tv in their scrubs and you know be the superstars they have been almost totally irrelevant in this situation and um, you know even the health insurance schemes like pmjy which were so much projected and touted as being the solution have proved to be of such marginal relevance in dealing with the covid-19 epidemic so those modes those older modes of um, or the state dealing with the private sector seem to be you know appearing to be quite um, not so relevant and in fact in the covid-19 situation we see a new form of engagement by governments with the private sector where governments are taking over private hospitals taking over beds capping or of rates across the board maharashtra government has just recently come out with an order which says that all private hospitals across maharashtra and for all categories of beds they have to follow standardized rates um so uh, these kind of measures are being taken the supreme court has said that you know everybody must get free uh, testing for covid-19 including from private labs so this we are reimagining how the state can actually harness the private healthcare sector something which had not happened until now and the although it is happening in the context of the covid-19 epidemic as we know that man's mind stretched to a new idea never returns to its original dimensions this is something said by oliver uh, wendell holmes so even after the epidemic has receded uh, the idea that the government can regulate private hospitals can uh, you know uh, uh, harness them um, uh, in a public interest that idea will remain and i think that um, <clears throat> opportunity uh, which is being opened up in the period of the covid epidemic it should not be lost uh, it has to continue till we reach a you know a system of universal healthcare which involves insourced and you know regulated private providers thank you so much for that um it's interesting that you brought in the private healthcare sector i'd also like uh, professor sundaraman to come in on uh, private healthcare 
um, things have changed during the COVID epidemic. The private healthcare sector, which was, uh, say, all powerful, has uh, sort of stepped back to pay, uh, play a very supportive role in this case. So, do you think this um, has some signs for the future? Will the role of the private healthcare sector in India actually change? I'm tend to agree with uh, uh, Abhay Shukla's comments on that, that the PMJAY has not lived up to its promise, even where uh, it covers the poor and therefore many people should have chosen it, presumed issues of quality, but you actually have very few people going there and they are not the poor. It's only the high charging patients without insurance cover that are using the private sector where it is functional, much private sector is not functional. So despite this having been the main item of investment in the last two years, the main focus of the government, the public-private partnerships also, in it's almost helpless in face of this issue. And it is the public system with all its problems, with all its gaps, its deficiencies, its infrastructure, its underpaid staff, its contractual staff, people who are not on track, all of them who have risen to the occasion. And that such thing, there is this notion of public service, that when our calling is at the gate, we can't leave and close, which is not the call that which private sector has taken. So in some sense, this sense, even in the worst of public health states, they have stood by. And this is something remarkable that we should actually see that this thing matters for something. But it, does it mean that the private sector has no role? No, as Abhay says, under a regulated framework, under a framework in which they are, are not uh, really issues of making money, but providing service when the, the, it's not a fee-for-service proposition, you take over these hospitals into public systems under some contracting arrangement, uh, they can provide a service. So they must become supplemental capacity to a public system and you must reorganize them so that they can innovate, they can bring motivated care, but yet they must be at some fence, ring fenced from the uh, monetary motive and uh, you know, uh, for-profit orientation. How does one do that is an issue. You must remember that some of the countries that have done well, like South Korea and the Japanese and the Germans, have a large private sector which has been the providers. But despite being the providers uh, in the private sector, they have actually got laws there that prevent this private sector from making profits and contractual obligations why they have to perform public functions whenever the need requires. So it's a very tough level of regulation, which over here would almost make them feel not private. But these countries which are known for so-called private sector have much tougher regulations than we have. And we need, therefore, for the private sector, a much clearer regulatory regime and ways of contracting that are useful. And most important, that they must supplement, not substitute the strengths of the public sector. Right. Thank you for that, Professor. Um, there is one other issue that, you know, we must discuss um, before we close, perhaps. Um, so what do you think would be the legal, political, or social ramifications of implementing healthcare as a fundamental right? 
डॉक्टर अभय शुक्ला या सो आई फोकस ऑन द लीगल सोशल एंड पोलिटिकल आई थिंक पार्टली टॉक्ड ऑफ एंड दैट इज अज टॉपिक सो लुकिंग एट द लीगल इश्यूज first of all let us see what are the legal instruments which are used being used by the government right now in the current situation so uh, the government is using the disaster management act and the epidemic diseases act of 1897 which is 123 years old oh. <laughs> an almost archaic act but uh, what is why why is the government using these acts one important aspect of these acts is that in exceptional situations the government can take a range of measures where public interests override sectional interests or certain private interests and uh, that is these are the acts which have been invoked by maharashtra government for example in enforcing rate regulation for private hospitals across the board so uh, we should think that why do we need to wait for an epidemic for the government to be able to treat public interest as legally paramount even in peace time even in normal times public health interests must override business interests of course with some safeguards uh, which may be necessary but uh, so we should think of this as a, a, a legal kind of direction uh, for uh, the future uh, when if we want to develop a right to healthcare legal framework article 21 of the constitution which gives us all the right to life with dignity would be the main plank legally and uh, there is article 19 which grants various freedoms including the freedom to practice one's business or profession but even that in the constitution is circumscribed by certain reasonable restrictions in public interest so even a private hospital or a private doctor they of course have a freedom to practice their profession but uh, it has to be keeping in mind and Uh, guided by a larger public uh, public interest so i think uh, if we take these two articles of the constitution and then uh, build upon uh, uh, various uh, you know uh, other provisions which are there which have emerged from the entire patients rights discourse um, uh, which has a uh, patients rights charter is also now has been developed at the national level so if we put these together we can develop a legal framework uh, for uh, enshrining the right to healthcare and ideally it should become a fundamental right in the constitution as a part of article 21 so, you know uh, parallel to the right to education uh, the right to healthcare should actually become a fundamental right in the constitution oh that um, solid points there dr shukla um professor sundaraman i was wondering if you care to play the devil's advocate um, maybe don your hat as um, the nhsrc executive director what are the constraints that a government might put forth uh, as you know as excuses not to implement um, universal health care or health care as a fundamental right so it's interesting i'll put forward the reasons it's not a thing and also say what were the solutions we looked at because we, there are real problems and we need to look at them so one of the problems that we stated is this states Uh, it's the state's terrain. Constitutionally, you can't uh, legislate them. And our contention had been that there is something called the General Covenant 14 under the International Covenant of Social, Economic, and Cultural Rights that India is a signatory to, 
which is a rights which spells out the rights to promote to protect and fulfill obligations of the government under this treaty when you are an obligation to an international treaty in fulfillment of its commitment under that treaty you can legislate in the state area provided you allow certain state autonomy in this particular area this has been done this sort of formulation has been done for the disability act i am very surprised that they managed that but they did do it so justice sikri was there i think and i, I think there's a very good judgment that you can build on so but on the other hand do you want to do it it's a state subject so how do you actually protect the sovereignty of the state in this issue is the big issue which we need to see and that is a it's a long argument because the whole experience with federalism in india has been weak politically the issue is does it reach political priority and we yet have to see any consistent articulation of health as a fundamental right by any political party the congress got near that they did mention it but i don't think they have been very consistent and the others have really not except of course the left parties which have stood by that but at some point it is the regional parties that need to get into the act if there are enough regional parties that get into that and the the government's position is now you saying this is not just a congress bjp thing where are the state parties where are the parties that are ruling in different in states without the political will can it be just a bureaucratic move how do we get the politics into it and the third thing that they keep saying is simply that they have no money and at some point they will not have money unless you decide that welfare state and equity is one of the fundamental principles you say that i won't tax the rich i won't tax this tax if i tax that is not a good process to follow and at some point you can't tax the poor and then run it on that so at some there has to be a larger understanding unless the financial architecture has a deeper commitment to at least the welfare state we're not talking of a socialist state here but even a welfare state a social democratic consensus and you say that at some point it is the duty and therefore we will need to do whatever we need to do to ensure that there is a transfer of resources that's not easy and at some point uh, there is this whole center state divide and unless you either allow the states to have much greater fiscal federalism as it is called now or you allow a much greater pool in the center that can be allocated on some rational consensus basis but the financing of this is a huge problem to expect the poor to be able to pay for it to argue since they are already paying user fee some sort of pooling of that money will help actually this is the point that the healthcare uh, has so much externality that the markets don't work for it so it has to be a non market mechanism a budget based tax funded approach that we will need to take in financing that is a problem for the current governments at least thank you so much uh, professor sundaraman thank you dr abhay shukla and uh, both of you have taken us through a very fine nuanced discussion that even managed to look at granular issues in as great detail and depth as our time would allow us i think it's very clear that if the government sets its mind to it healthcare is of 
it can be a fundamental right for the citizens of this country and um, universal healthcare is not very far away thank you so much for being part of this discussion many many thanks to both of you